electronic specifier. Okay, so hello and welcome back to Electronic Specifier Insights. Today I'm joined by Paul Romano, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Fusion Worldwide. So hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So let's start, please, with a brief introduction of yourself and your background. Sure. So I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Fusion Worldwide. So Fusion Worldwide is one of the world's largest open market distributors of electronic components and electronic products. In 2022, we crossed the $2.7 billion mark in revenue. We provide products to some of the world's largest OEMs and EMS providers, and we have a global sourcing network. I've been with Fusion since our founding in 2001. In fact, I'm employee number one, and I'm really happy to be here. Excellent. Thank you for that introduction. Now, we're going to be talking about the evolving status of the supply chain and strategies for addressing current challenges. But before we get started, can you just give us an overview of what the current status of the supply chain is and explain some of the challenges that manufacturers are facing at the moment? Sure. So obviously, we've come through a period of extreme shortage. Everybody's aware of the semiconductor shortages that have occurred. And there has been some easing in that. We've seen easing in the consumer sector and some of the other sectors. However, there are still some major issues in key verticals like automotive and industrial that are still creating significant problems. And we expect those problems to continue through Q2, Q3 of 2023. Now, the, the supply chain is not known for being a, a flexible system. So, you know, adaptability often falls on the customer. So how can manufacturers sort of lessen the blow of supply chain disruptions and accelerate their time to market? So there are a number of things that they can do. So first off, obviously, is by geographical diversity and product diversity. The more products they have spec'd in, and the more sites they have geographically can help them alleviate issues that are based on either geographical issues or product issues. Secondly, partnering early with an open market distributor as one of their partners is critical because as we all know, there are always going to be problems. It's not if, it's when. And so having that relationship early with a company like Fusion Worldwide, we not only provide the products, but also the market information that lets people know exactly what's happening. Some good points there. And obviously, the recent supply chain trends are, are pushing manufacturers to amass large inventories, but this can often backfire, creating instability and, and fostering inflation. So what's the best way for a company to manage their inventory when their demand drops? So you know, that's a big problem because what happens in a shortage is what we call a bunker mentality. The builders go out and buy as much as they can because they obviously want to have products to build their end products. They're trying to make their numbers. They're trying to satisfy their customers. So they're buying and buying and buying. So that becomes a major issue because at some point, it's like musical chairs. Everybody's got to sit down and somebody's left standing up. There's going to be excess inventory. So again, it's really about uh, planning initially and making sure you're sticking to those 
plans in terms of, as we said, product diversity, geographical diversity. But secondly, it's again about partnering with people that can help alleviate the problem. And certainly companies like Fusion Worldwide can do that. When there's excess inventory, we're really built to take that inventory and spread it through the market and provide them relief. And following on from a point you made earlier, the, the major semiconductor shortage has triggered a massive surge in companies turning to open market distributors to secure chips. And open market distributors rely on a small network of testing houses for quality checks. But one unfortunate consequence has been a testing wait time bottleneck that can often stretch to over two months. But I understand that, that Fusion managed to escape this bottleneck. So can you tell us a little bit about how you managed to do that? Sure. You know, that was one of the unintended and really unrecognized consequences of the semiconductor shortage, because there were so many players who really hadn't been in the market before coming into the market. There was extreme pressure to get product tested. And there's really only a finite number of test houses. So not only was there a semiconductor shortage, but there was a real issue with lead times at test houses. Lead times went to five, six seven weeks. And what all of us were doing was everything we could to kind of shorten those lead times. We were paying for weekend and night work, overtime work, doing everything we could to get things through for our customer. But the problem was that wasn't working because everybody else was doing it as well, too. So the solution, the best solution for us and for our customers was for us to actually acquire our own test house. So in February of 22, we closed on the acquisition of ProSemi, Singapore's largest test house in operation since 1997. And it immediately provided value to our customers because we were able to take lead times that were four, five, six weeks and shorten them to two days to 10 days. We were able to push product through much more quickly and it really helped our customers a great deal and helped us in the end a great deal. ProSemi has provided us significant additional expertise in terms of electrical testing and services, baking, tape and reeling, programming. So it's become a real strong part of the fusion network of companies. That sounds fantastic. And sticking with the open market distributors for a minute, you know, I understand that they've long helped to balance out the market. So can you explain some of the ways that they achieve this? So, yeah, I mean, our principal role within the market is really to kind of mediate and moderate the gaps that occur in the supply chain. And those gaps occur for a lot of reasons. They occur because simply of planning issues. They occur because of unplanned demand. They occur because of natural disasters that shut down fabs or uh, shut down facilities. They occur because of obsolescence. There are lots of reasons that cause issues within the supply chain. And most manufacturers work with the chip maker and a couple of authorized distributors. And so they have nowhere else to turn. So our role is to fill those gaps because we at Fusion Worldwide have a vast network of suppliers globally that we go to when there's an issue and we're able to find parts and keep our customers' lines running. But over and above that, we're able to provide an end-to-end service, not only sourcing, bringing in the parts, uh, inspection, and with ProSemi now, testing to ensure that there is authenticity with every part that we sell. But we also provide 
market intelligence and updates. We're able to provide customers with information. And we provide other services as well, including inventory management and services like that. So Fusion really provides a vast array of services to our customers, you know, whether there's an issue in the market or no issue in the market. Are you seeing any demand from any particular sectors? If so, why do you think that is? So we're still seeing significant demand in the automotive sector. And again, a lot of that is driven by the fact that there is many of the parts are in what we call larger node products, 65 nanometer and above. These are generally older technology parts. There's not been a lot of investment in new fab space for those kind of products. And so that's created a huge issue. Certainly, uh, we're still seeing issues in the industrial space. Some of the high power MOSFETs are creating a lot of problems. And again, that's just demand overstripping supply. It's, it's really a demand issue. And so we're seeing those issues across uh, those two sectors. Do you think that we'll ever get back to, you know, what it was like pre-pandemic? Or do you think the supply chain has changed drastically and will continue to change now? So, you know, there's really never any normal in the supply chain because, again, everything's based on forecasting. And forecasting is always essentially, you know, is educated guess about what's going to happen in the future. So there are always issues with supply chain planning, and there are always going to be gaps. There are always going to be issues around unplanned demand. All of a sudden, you get orders that you didn't plan for, and there's a slight lead time. You need to get that out the door, or you've got a repair product, and, and what you need is obsolete. So there's always a need for a good independent distributor in your supply chain. That's a critical part. We're essentially a critical link in the supply chain because we bridge and fill those gaps. So there's really never any normal. The supply chain never reaches a normal state. It's always in flux and there's always issues. And speaking of issues, what impact has the current Russian and Ukraine conflict had on global supply chains and what areas in particular are feeling the most pressure? You know, obviously that's had a fairly significant impact and in a number of ways, any kind of conflict is not good. It introduces risk to the supply chain. Supply chains don't like risk and that creates problems. Obviously, Ukraine manufactured, had a lot of automotive manufacturing. And so much of that has stopped. And so that feeds into a larger problem with the automotive sector as a whole. On the Russian side, Russia produces a lot of raw materials and materials used in the production of semiconductors, neon, palladium, aluminum. So all of those metals have now become harder to get, and that's led to more shortages and more issues. So again, it's had a significant impact and it continues to have a significant impact on the supply chain. And following on from that, what impact do you think it will have in the long term? So again, you know, hopefully it comes to conclusion quickly. Hopefully they can find a way to end it. But obviously it's going to continue to impact the economy because and continue to impact the supply chain because obviously those raw materials are critical to the production of semiconductors. And without those, people are forced to go to other suppliers, other places, in many cases, try and spec in other materials. 
that takes time, that adds to lead times, it adds cost and expense. So it's going to create a problem. As long as the conflict exists, there's going to continue to be an impact on the supply chain. It's going to continue to impact semiconductors as a whole. It's going to continue to impact the automotive space, the industrial space. Yeah, of course. Okay, so let's move on from that and talk a little bit about cryptocurrency for a moment. Now, crypto is a very real product that's had a serious impact on the semiconductor supply chain. So how exactly has crypto influenced the the semiconductor industry? So crypto has had a really significant impact. And the impact is mainly seen in the mining aspect, because obviously to mine crypto, you need very, very powerful graphic process units. And so there has long been a significant shortage in these units. And that is now starting to change. We went from a great shortage to now a situation of oversupply based on what's happened with crypto. So crypto, really hard to forecast where it's going to go, really hard to forecast what it's going to do. And as its values change and move up and down, that obviously impacts the underlying equipment used to mine cryptocurrency. And going into that in more detail, how exactly does crypto introduce volatility into the semiconductor market? So it introduces volatility in a number of ways. As price fluctuations occur, it really impacts the the miners and their ability to mine crypto because obviously their expenditures on the mining side are very high because they're buying very high-end graphics units to conduct that mining. And that impacts their ability to produce a return on their investment. So as price drops, their investments become harder and harder to return on that investment. And that means they'll stop investing while the producers are still producing. So we go into a situation of overage and that's not good for the market either. Okay, so before we wrap up then, what are your thoughts on how the supply chain is going to evolve in in the next couple of years? Well, obviously, a lot of things foundationally have really changed over the past couple of years that portend for the future, obviously, a lot of bumps in the road. Number one is that there is going to be significant growth in semiconductor usage. We've seen a lot of different figures put out there for combined annual growth rates through 2030 from 6% to 8% per year. But there's going to be significant growth in semiconductor usage. And so the question is, can production keep up with that? I talked earlier about investment. There's been a lot of investment from different governments into the a semiconductor business, which is always good. We want investment in semiconductors. The U.S. passed the, the CHIPS Act, which is fantastic. But again, much of that money, much of that investment is going into the cutting edge technology, number one. And number two, it takes 18 months to three, four years for a fab to come up and be in operation. So none of that is going to have an immediate impact. Plus, Design cycles for chips are getting faster and faster and faster. And we don't know what disruptive technologies are going to occur that are really going to provide another shock to the system. And you know, there's always these unplanned shocks that occur that are going to create 
issues with the system. And the last piece is that anytime we go through a major shortage cycle, a major merger cycle, there is always a raft of obsolescence of products. Semiconductor manufacturers will look at their product lines and use this as an opportunity to obsolete older and less profitable lines in to use uh, and sell more profitable newer technology. And that as well is going to create problems within the supply chain because companies that are using those older technologies are going to have trouble getting that product. But again, that's why companies like Fusion Worldwide are here and in existence because we help companies through issues like that. Excellent. Some good points there. Okay, so before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? So just to talk quickly about Fusion, again, Fusion has been around since 2001. We're one of the world's largest open market distributors of electronic components, and we really offer an end-to-end solution. Fusion is driven by quality, and Fusion system allows us to source, inspect, and test products for our customer because of our acquisition and our ownership of ProSemi. And we are also in the process of releasing Rocket Chips, which is our online trading platform that is coming online. So the Fusion family of brands now contains three brands, Fusion Worldwide, ProSemi, and Rocket Chips. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your insights and thoughts today, Paul. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Electronic Specifier.